0: It's always interesting, you know. I haven't spoken here much, and I certainly don't see myself as a said it before as a great orator of, of God's word. But it's always nice to have the opportunity to be able to share some things that perhaps you've learned in life, perhaps you know, you, you've just got something to share. And it's always difficult when you're asked to do something like this to say where do you start, what do you look at, how do you how do you plan? And a few weeks ago now I, I, I read um, UCB notes each day and one of the short series that they had was in, on the prayer of Jabez an example for life and tonight as you've come out to your service or you're, you're watching a live stream or whatever or later listen to CD you've perhaps looked at a topic the prayer of Jabez an example for life there's likely to be a number of reactions to this depending on whether you've actually heard of Jabez before or have not heard of him I don't know, I'm not going to do a straw poll tonight, but a number of people I've spoken to haven't heard of it. Others say, yeah, yeah, I've heard of it, something. The first time I heard about it was in year 2000, um, and I hadn't I hadn't heard it before. I bought a book about it, and it, it's interesting just to see this. However, moving on from that, so it's not surprising if you haven't heard of him, because there's not a lot of Bible text written about the man, so in that context, you might well say, oh, why are we looking at him? Why bother? But we're now going to read that Bible text about Jabez and it's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And it says, Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, O oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. That's all we read. That's what we we'll see about it. And if I, if I had looked at that in isolation, I probably couldn't have said anything about what I'm going to say tonight. But it's because of other people. And my wife um, bought me a C.H. Spurgeon Study Bible earlier this year. And I thought, that's really nice, but it's big, you know. And. Having looked at that, though, getting insight there and getting insight from two or three other sources, it's amazing what Bible scholars actually are able to take from just a short passage, because they understand the context of family life in these days, they understand the whole context of life and what went on in these days. So firstly, before we go on to look at a number of areas of this prayer and the questions and implications for our life, we really need to know what the name Jabez means, I think you've probably cottoned on to that. In Hebrew... The word Jabez means pain or painful. Because of the pain suffered by his mother during the childbirth, this was to remain a lasting, lifelong legacy. Because in these days, people would attach a name to a person because of where their standing was in the family of the first child, second child, or whatever. But he, he get the name pain, pain or painful. Imagine the jibes and comments from people as they grew up and moved on in life. What a start in life for anyone. But let's look at the individual headings of Jabez's prayer in sequence to see what we can learn and the positives that we can extract for our encouragement in life. Because the only way that we look at Scripture, and the only reason we look at Scripture, and sometimes it can be sort of unpleasant reading, depending on where we are in our Christian lives, is always to give us encouragement. And there's so much Bible text that can give us that, if we can take it in its correct context. So we need to look at the positioning of these verses Speaking of Jabez in the text in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses verse 9 and 10, the first nine chapters consist of genealogies listing more than 600 names. But there, right in the middle of all these names, God singles out one man for special recognition, and that name is Jabez. There are only two verses in the entire Bible about him, yet he's given honourable mention above the 600 other people mentioned in the chapter. Why did God single him out? What did Jabez do that caused his name to be preserved for over 4,000 years? What made him above average? So for the next short time, let's see what we can learn about him. Let's just take it point by point. So point one says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel. How often do we do that as Christians in our prayer lives? How often do we come to a point where we say, I need to call out to God here because the plan that I had ain't working? So what am I going to do? And it tells us, now Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. This is, this is the sort of, not the study that I've done, but looking into what other Bible scholars have said, said about him. So what was it that set him apart? He dared to ask God for great things, not greatness. And there's a subtle distinction here. He didn't ask for him to be greater than other people. He didn't ask for personal wealth. He didn't ask for a healthy life. He prayed that your, or God's hand, would be with him, that you will keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. There's some some parallels here that can be drawn from other Bible characters. And the main theme of this is God actually wants us to ask him for great things, because if we don't, we're only going to be stationary and we'll move backwards. So in Jeremiah, if we look at Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, God tells Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. How close are we to God and how strong is our prayer life? Jeremiah was one of the major prophets and Jeremiah had gone through a whole lot of situations where he was dealing with kings and armies and whatever else. And he had known what it was for God's plan to perhaps work against him in some situations, but also for God's plan to work for him and he could move forward in his life. So that's Jeremiah. But in Ephesians 3, verse 20, God tells Jeremiah, sorry, Paul tells us that God is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. The context of this is found in Ephesians 3, and it's verses 14 to 20, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long And high and deep the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. For Jabez called the God of Israel, and He was asking for what seemed to be great things. So if we look at that, and what Paul's asking us to do, and saying, look, the answers are already there. What you need to do is pray for them. So what's going on in our lives just now? What are situations that we have going on that we're struggling with that we can't, we can't actually seem to get a breakthrough? There's a glass ceiling there that we can't break through. But we have, we have the opportunity, and we have the privilege of being able to go to God and say, I need to ask you this, and I need to change this situation. Please help me. And that's, that's not a weakness, that's a great strength that we have. So, this is a prayer for spiritual power. And the big thing about our prayers is, and I'm as guilty as anyone of this, we pray for things and we say, is this really going to happen? Now, if we look back at our lives, and if, or if we see where we're at now, and at a time in our life where we were in a situation that we didn't understand what was happening, you can look back now and it's a like piece in a jigsaw puzzle together. Yeah, now I now understand, and you can see I don't know how often I've said over the last few years, now I understand why that happened then, and that's what's made my life different. A number of years ago I was in a I was in a job with um that I thought would would never actually change. The dream that we had, it was a company that was fantastic to work for. I was there for 18 years, and guess what? A financial crash came around and everything changed. The company was bought by one of the bigger motor manufacturers. I made a choice, choice to make. So, what do you do? Do you sit down and do you get bitter about it? Because there's a lot of people in the same, same scenario. And I was living down south at that time in East Sussex. And you just think, this is a life changing event. But what do we do? Do we come back to God? And actually, after, after that happened, I got into an entirely different scenario for three years of my life. I went into training and all that I, had, I had done a technical apprenticeship when I was young, and as soon as I got out of that, I did. And my career was in the motor industry, selling selling cars in, in a retail environment, and then moving on to doing, some, And it doesn't matter, dealer development and other stuff within that. But you just, I just didn't think that that would end. And then I got a phone call not long after all the events happened, and somebody said, you know, would you like to do some training? I thought, yeah, right, I've never, never actually done that before talk about your comfort zone. So I went from being linked in the motor industry to everything that I'd, I'd known basically through my working life at that stage to, to doing training and part of it was down at, in Chester with the Royal Bank of Scotland and they were doing a lot of uh, training and that was when banks were changing and the bank manager used to get his tea brought in him at 10 o'clock in the morning and afternoon tea. They were all changing to be sales teams so that's what, that's what all happened then. So you're put into this scenario where you're teaching people to be salespeople. Then we did work with Telecom, which was all about... The the course was actually called Working Miracles. And that was all about how Telecom was changing, where mobile phones were becoming much more popular and phone boxes were disappearing. And as in all these companies, you've got the third, the third, the third principle, the third of people that want to stay and do a really good job the middle people that want, don't really know what they want to be doing, and the third that say this isn't for me, so they just bow out. And then there were, other, there were other things. So at that time I was taken completely out of my comfort zone, but for three years I did it. And then I got a phone call about going back into motor industry. I've been there for in that same company for about 15 years. Now the only reason that I say that is in the context of, of Jabez Prayer. It wasn't so much that I was asking for different things or asking for for, for greater things but at that time I just wanted to get some semblance of order back into my life and to know where God was, God was actually leading so sometimes what can seem a disaster or something that we didn't want to happen can actually be very positive so this guy was named Pain or painful and he was telling to take that through life M- moving on just from that bit Matthew 7 verse 7 says ask and it will be given you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you and the question that I would ask here tonight is what are we looking for why are we knocking and what are we looking to find in our lives what are we pushing the door open for God is willing to answer our prayers but sometimes we're pushing a door trying to open a door that has a big block behind it and God's saying you ain't going there that is not happening now that's not to discourage us that is just to say I've got a different plan for you and I will take you in a different direction. Just trust me. So the bottom line in that first part of what Jabez is asking is that we can't out-ask or outdream God. So start asking him for what you want and believe he will give it to you. This is not intended to be materialistic in any way. However, we should all have dreams and plans to ensure that we lead a fulfilled life. And it's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to have material things, it's not wrong at all but it's how we use them that's the question that God asks us. So we can't out-ask or outdream dream God, so start asking him for what you want and believe that he'll give it to you. The second point about Jabez is, as he said, oh, that you would bless me indeed. We go through life and I don't know how you feel some Monday mornings we've got um, things in our company that happen on a regular basis. And, you know, every 10 days you get asked the same question about some stuff. And if you give the right answer, that's fine. If you don't give the right answer, that's no fine. (laughs) You try and find some common ground. But we've all got situations in our life. Sometimes on a Monday morning, do you enjoy going to work? Do you want to get up and be out there and be leading the line and be, go out with the the whole proposition of telling people about Jesus within your, your work life and within your work environment? How often do we pray that prayer that God would bless us indeed? How often does a young or a younger person say something about a plan for their life? My grandson is, is um, 14, Callum, and a few months ago, at he, 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 my birthday, he gave me a card. And he said, just remember that signature because someday that'll be, that'll be worth something. And I thought, right, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that because he, he enjoys life. He's 14 now, and guess what, when we're 14, the world is our oyster. And we actually, were just, we just know it all at 14, don't we? And we, now we look back and we're dealing with teenagers and say, oh, that's just a teenager, right? <laughs> They'll grow through it. So that, that's what he said to me. And, and actually, I was quite surprised by it. And I smiled and I thought, right, it's not a bad way to be thinking. Needless to say, I think he wants to be a professional football player or something. But young people will talk to us <laughs> about a plan for their life. They don't have any fear in talking about it. We shouldn't have any fear in listening to it. How often do you hear yourself or somebody else say, ah, no, 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 we don't think that's achievable. You're you're never going to do that, son. Somebody tried that once and it never worked for them. So guess what? The world stops. Do you want to be a dream stealer? Or do you want to be a dream maker? Do you want to fulfill the dreams of young folk? Do you want to encourage them? The young folk that we've got in this church just now, even from the wee tinies right through, how often do we encourage them? I I sometimes, if there's some of the the young girls through through having a cup of tea or whatever, I'll say, right, come on, what's the grift? What's going on in the place? Because the teenagers, as I say, they've all got a different aspect in life. And nine times out of ten, they're happy and they just want to be pleasing folk along the way. So, do you want to be a dream stealer or a dream maker? Let's have a look at some of the people who prayed that prayer and were greatly blessed by God beyond their wildest dreams. Firstly, We've got George Verwer who was founder of Oper- Operation Mobilisation he had some amazing thoughts when he had a plan for mission now this would probably be I guess in the early mid 60s he's got a great wee book that's called Out of the Comfort Zone dot 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 Grace, Vision and Action and in it he was so keen to mobilise and be mobilised that he even gave away all his wedding presents very shortly after he and his wife were married which came in for a bit of Displeasure from his wife. I haven't read his book. But the point was, he knew that God was not going to keep him where he was. He knew that a lot of the stuff that they had been given, they wouldn't be using. So why just keep it in boxes? We moved house about 10 years ago, and um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very careful what I'm saying here, but <laughs> um, you, you know what happens? The van arrives, and you think you've got all these boxes numbered or whatever, symbols on them. You say, what do you do with that? Just put it in the loft. What do you do with it? Just put it up in the loft. We've got a loft full of boxes that we've never opened in 10 years. They're very tidy. <laughs> and it's probably stuff that I'm keeping. But Sandra one will probably go up there and it'll all get... I don't know where it'll go, but anyway, it'll go. But we tend to look at the wrong things. Why did we not just at the time say, that'll not be going anywhere, just move it on? And that was the aspect that he had on his life. He thanked the people for what they'd given him, but he's more or less saying... My purpose is to serve God, and unfortunately I won't be able to use that stuff. What did he do then? He, wa- he knew that he would be on the move for God and with God. He then went on to be the motivator for the purchase of MV Logos and MV Duelists, and I can't remember the order in which g- they came, sailing around the world, spreading God's word. How many people has OM's life touched, transformed, and had a positive impact on There's various people from our church have gone to Operation Mobilization. And they're they're now working in in other parts of the world, doing different different things for the Lord. How many, because of that, when he started and because he knew that God was taking him elsewhere, how many people's lives has he touched, transformed, and had a positive impact on? He didn't realise at the start of this great adventure when he prayed for blessing in his ministry. The extent to which God would use them, and in fact, he's been known to say, if he'd realised the difficulties he would have in actually running these ships and the the maintenance and stuff that was all involved, from a purely fit, um, human nature, he just wouldn't have taken it. But because God was in the middle, and because that was all happening under God's plan, he took it on board. The one point to note here is that with God, there are no boundaries. That these ships are sailed. Around the world, In fact, I think one of them has died and there's a, there's a third ship now being, being used for, for that word. They sail around the world. They sell books. They've got books in however many different languages, but God has blessed that work beyond what you could ever have believed. So what do you really want to see God doing in your life? That's a big question. It's not we look at other people and say, oh, they're doing a great job, but what am I doing? And every time you point the finger at somebody, there's three pointing back at, back at yourself. So what do, you want to see God, what do you want to see God doing in your life? What are you not waiting for him to do? What do you want to see God doing in your life? And what are we willing to commit to and sacrifice in that? C.T. Studd gave up an international cricket career to be the founder of WEC, Worldwide Evangelization Crusade. He had some tremendous quotes, two of which are, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And another one said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And actually there's a poem about that, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to read it. And he says, Two little lines I heard one day, Travelling along life's busy way, Bringing conviction to my heart And from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, "'Soon will its fleeting hours be done. "'Then in that day my Lord to meet "'and stand before his judgment seat. "'Only one life till soon be passed. "'Only what's done for Christ will last. "'Only one life, the still small voice, "'gently pleads for a better choice. "'Bidding me selfish aims to leave "'and to God's holy will to cleave. "'Only one life till soon be passed. "'Only what's done for Christ will last. "'Only one life, a few brief years,' Each with its burdens, hopes and fears. Each with its days I must fulfil, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would, sorry, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last only one life, yes, only one now let me say, thy will be done and when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll 'Twas worth it all, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last what words these are, what insight what foresight did he see and obviously the main theme is that I've only got one life so I need to get this working and I need to go, and guess what I'm in my 60s now yesterday I was in my 20s the day before well three days ago was my 20s the day after that was my 30s and then was my 40s we're here now what do we do and i'm looking at blair here and um, but people in blair's they've got a the whole world ahead of them teenagers now as i said they just love they just love life and the, the teenagers have got a difficult um road to go growing up now because there's so many more things that come in and temptations and you know the internet and everything's so available to everybody whereas when I was growing up it was it was much much more narrow than that but young people just remember today you're in your teens or your twenties or your thirties and tomorrow you're where I'm at now that doesn't mean to say we give up that means that means that we're motivated by different things and we actually manage different things we tackle different things I still love to be playing football i was never great at football but I was a good tackler And it was quite fast. But I ended. So what do you do now? I'm not going into that. Um, So, anyway, only one life. And only what's done for Christ will last. So CT Studd, what an amazing man. And what an amazing organisation he founded. My own sister and brother-in-law Robbie were in that organisation for a number of years in a number of contexts. Then we've got brother Andrew a young Dutchman, founder of an organisation called Open Doors. I'm sure that many of you have heard and know of his great adventures for God. Maybe you don't, but he's got a wee book, um, and it's just... Welcome oh, come back to me, sorry. I think I've got it written down somewhere. But after the, the finish of the Second World War, he had a vision and he had a burden for Eastern European countries. Now we look at Europe now and all we're talking about is Brexit, all we're talking about is breaking away from Europe and, and all that great political debate and you think one day somebody's telling the truth and the next day they weren't and the next day you, you just don't know what, what to believe about it. But in these earlier days the whole Eastern Bloc was completely closed as people in my group will remember. You just couldn't do anything. Communism had a strict hold on everybody and people were jailed for things that they should never have been jailed for. So he had a vision of taking Bibles to the then Eastern European countries, which were all communist-driven. Young people now, as I said, don't realise how controlled and uninviting these countries actually were, and the more European openness, which has very much diluted the early effects of these strict communist regimes. From 1955 to 56, in a Volkswagen Beetle, changed to incorporate a number of secret compartments. Brother Andrew and his some of his friends who had an organization set up smuggled Bibles in Eastern European countries and Russia for many years. So, what happened? What happened after that when Eastern Europe became open? What they did was, did they just shut up shop and decide that, that was en- enough was enough? We've done our job? No. They then changed to, to taking Bibles to China, to North Korea, and the Middle East. In 19. 19- God Smuggler, that's the name of the book, God Smuggler. I just got a copy again recently from, from somebody else, and if you want to read that wee book, it's an absolutely inspiring book. And people say, what happened in the 50s and 60s? Well, let me tell you what happened in the 50s and 60s. England won the World Cup, that's, that's a long time ago, but in the 50s and 60s, that was when, don't forget, it was only 1945 that the, world, that the, the Second World War ended. And things were still building at that stage. Industry was building, steelmaking was building, all the heavy industries in the UK and every and everywhere else were building up. So that was all that was all happening. Middle Eastern countries had their own industries as well, but nobody really knew what they did. So that book, God Smuggler, became one of the best-selling Christian books of all time, with the proceeds helping to expand his organization's ministries. When Eastern Europe opened with events like the Bell and Mall coming down, they were motivated to do other things. The work didn't end, they moved on to other countries. God's work never ends, nor do his blessings. I'm just going to read two or three quotes from from Brother Andrew as well. There are five, five points that he had made about his own ministry. And he says, The first step, whenever, wherever, however you want me, I'll go. I'll begin this very minute. Lord, as I stand up from this place and as I take my first step forward, Will you consider this a step towards complete obedience to you? I'll call it the step of yes. He said these words back in 1952 when he responded to God's call to serve him. So that's the first step. Secondly, don't fear the darkness. The bigger the darkness, the the easier it is to spot your little light. That's a fact, isn't it? Sometimes in the twilight, even if you're out driving and stuff, it's more difficult to pick up things. But in um, pitch black, when you put on the lights in your car, when if you're in that room and you, you light a candle, you can see you can see quite a bit, and it lights up the darkness. The church. Of course it's dangerous, but it's a lot more dangerous for all of us if we don't do it. Even in a conquering army, there are casualties. Safety is not the issue when we look at the Great Commission. The purpose of the church cannot be to survive or even thrive, but to serve. Love. Christians need a new filling of the Holy Spirit to love those who disagree with them. And the greatest expression of love is to share with them the most precious thing a Christian has, which is the good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Are you available? That's point five. God does not choose people because of their ability, but because of their availability. So how available are we? How how much do we make ourselves available to God? I sometimes... I sometimes wonder about that and you think other opportunities that you maybe had in life and other other areas that your life path could maybe have taken you down. And I'm sure that we all can look back and say there are situations that we would maybe have handled differently. There are things that we've done that we wish we hadn't done. There are circumstances we've been in that we wish we hadn't have been in. But in all of this, God takes us through. A guy called Bruce Wilkinson wrote... Um, about the prayer of Jabez and I deliberately haven't quoted too much from that book tonight. But when that when that book came out in I think it was year two thousand, it sold two million copies in the first year. And it's now sold more than ten million copies. And it's a wee book that you can probably read in two hours. It's not it's not heavy reading, but he actually goes through some of the things that happened to him in America as well. And he's he's a massive outreach on the go he's set up Bible seminaries round America. And the reason that I haven't quoted that too much tonight is you get so many opinions about whether it was right, whether it was wrong, what he did was right, what he did was wrong. So rather, I'd rather point you in the direction of reading the book because you will be encouraged by it rather than discouraged. He had even set up things for teenagers and it was, they were having, like, they call them backyard missions. And they, they were expecting 13 and 14 maybe teenagers in, in certain areas in some of the big American cities. And some days they prayed these kids in and they were getting between 130 and 150 for these missions over a five-day period. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing just to know what God can actually do. And we don't always know when we set out to pray what God will do for us. But certainly when we look back, we can see his hand was in it. So did we get the picture here? Do we really get it? We started out looking at Jabez. We started out looking at two verses in First Chronicles. And here's where it all expands to. You can look at other Bible characters and you can see where their lives went. Think of someone you know in business. They've got a real cushy life, don't they? Well, I've worked for and close with some real business entrepreneurs over the years. And almost without exception, at some stage, they've had to lay everything in the line in order to take the next leap forward. Your business gets to a stage where you say, I can't move it forward anymore. And sometimes it's, it's houses that are put up, and it's things that happen. Every last penny they've got goes into taking the next leap forward, and many of these guys are successful because they can actually see the bigger picture. Other people say, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. You've, you've got enough. You've, you're, doing, you're doing well. But if they don't have this sort of drive, they would only be ordinary, ordinary or moderately successful in their careers and lives. To succeed, you need to have a plan. And this includes our Christian lives in terms of visions and dreams too. Don't mistake the prayer of Jabez with the thoughts and ideologies of some of the contemporary preachers who preach an expansionist gospel. They'll tell you that if you believe enough and affirm your daily desires for life, you'll achieve them. Titles like Your Best Life Now tell you how to gather material possessions with no real mention of God's Spirit driving us. Be careful how you phrase what you want in life and ensure that God is right there in the middle. God's plan for us is definitely not geared initially to material gain, but initially for spiritual growth and understanding. This also changes as we move through various stages in life, as and when our experiences change, our thought process is leading to personal growth. So, as we gather experience in life, we can then advise other people. And that's how it works. I can look back now and say, I had a couple of bosses who were real encouragers across the years you can look back at others you say i would never work for them again but it's just how people take you and can can work with you anyway point three we need to move on so god granted him what he requested when jabez prays enlarge my territory he was saying lord i want more than i've got and i'm asking you for it he had great ambitions and god blessed him there are three common misconceptions that can keep us from having great ambitions You look at some of the great explorers, you look at some people who have have gone and it's cost them physically or or emotionally or whatever, but they've actually carried out the plan that they set out to. First point in this is we confuse fear with humility. We say, oh, I could never do that, and think we've been humble. But that's not humility, that's fear, linked to a lack of faith. A truly humble person would say, with God's help, I can do it. With God's blessing, I will do it. I may not not be able to do it on my own, but with God's help I can. That's real humility, because you're actually submitting to God's plan and saying, you help me to do it. Secondly, we tend to confuse laziness with contentment. Paul is often quoted from Philippians 4 and 11, he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. However, this does not mean that we shouldn't set goals. Paul wasn't saying, I don't have any ambitions or future plans. In fact, he was saying just the opposite. Philippians 3, 13, Paul says, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul had been regularly flogged, jailed, and he was shipwrecked on at least two occasions for the gospel, but he was never deterred in pushing the boundaries of his ministry. You know, we look at that and we say, oh, Paul was flogged, yeah, so what, stoned. Think about, think about being mob. Think about, think about some of the things that actually happened. Think if you've ever been out and you've seen a violent incident, how it makes, how it makes you actually feel. And yet, this was a regular happening in these days. Remember John the Baptist? We we talk we look at some of the Eastern Europe um, sorry, Middle East stuff where people got beheaded. Think that's exactly what happened to John John the Baptist. So Paul and his contemporaries were not having an easy life. But they were never deterred from pushing the boundaries of, of their ministry. Thirdly, we confuse small thinking with spirituality. Some people say, I serve God in my small way. Well, why don't you then start serving God in a bigger way? Why not let him use you more? Other people say, well, I'm just fine the way I am. That's the way God made me. You need a good shape. That's what, that's what you really need when people say that. That's just the way God made me. God never meant any of us to sit in a corner like mushrooms. Never. So it's wrong for any of us to blame God for our lack of growth. I've seen, and no doubt many of us here have seen real spiritual people over the years people who spend time in prayer people who who actually have a spiritual understanding that i don't have but you can go to them and you can ask them for some input in certain situations so it's wrong for any of us to blame god for a lack of growth because he has provided all the tools and ideas we need in order to grow what's the bottom line here think big or we'll only get in god's way that's really what will happen and it'll be, you'll be sidelined, and God will take somebody else who'll do that. Then point four of Jabez's prayer said, Oh, that your hand would be with me. Not only did Jabez have great ambition, he had a growing faith and a deep trust in God. He had enough faith to pray and expect an answer. He was like a pioneer missionary William Carey, who said, Expect great things from God, and attempt great things for God no mention of jabez having any special ability or talent the bible doesn't say he was wealthy or educated he was simply a common man with uncommon faith in life don't worry about what you don't have if you have faith god will give you the necessary power to carry out as well going back to some of the people that spoke about earlier george verwa Operation Mobilisation at the church that I was at when I was down south of Turnbridge Baptist Church and he came one night and I remember him praying and he had a, a a blow up globe of the world and he stood with it above his head and he just revolved it and he, he had his eyes closed and he prayed for every country of the world and he knew where he was in that map that's the sort of um, intuition and that's the sort of commitment that we need in life and just in that context as well what are the boundaries that we have it's not materialism it's nothing to do with materialism if you look last week when um hazel was speaking in the morning she showed you sakai he's he, he is a pastor in a small church in japan now, i didn't know people in japan i've worked for japanese companies for 33 years and i've never been there but i didn't know that japanese com- japanese people were not necessarily comfortable with coming into houses that was not something that, that happened. And you saw Sakai and Leo actually doing practical work to be, still be involved with people around their houses. Hazel was challenged to, to meet with a man who, who had a spiritual need. And although she avoided it a couple of times, she went and did it. So it's expanding our boundaries. What boundaries do you have? What boundaries do you need to break through? What dreams do you have that you seemingly you can't fulfill just now? And it's all in our power to go and ask God for it. So Jabez had a great ambition, growing faith and a deep trust in God. The Bible doesn't say he was wealthy or educated as I've said, but he was a common man with an uncommon faith. Don't worry about what we don't have. He loves to use ordinary people who are willing to trust him, that's the key, and see them succeed. God has succeeded, Jesus came and died for us, Jesus gave us a supreme sacrifice. There was a new covenant, so we started from point one there. So he loves to use ordinary people who are willing to trust him and see them succeed. Lots of super talented people sit in the sidelines, while ordinary people with faith score the goals and win. You, me, can be one of these people. Another interesting fact about Jabez is he apparently had some kind of handicap or disability. In the Hebrew language, as we've already said, Jabez means painful. Jabez caused his mother so much grief during childbirth that she named him painful. How would you like to go through life with that name or a name tagged to you that you, you just didn't want? He was obviously stronger than his handicap and his faith kept him going. His eyes weren't on the past, they were on the future. And many times you hear people saying, Nah, nah, that's, that's not how we do it here. We've always done it this way. That is a recipe for disaster and going backwards. He believed that if God blessed him, then his future would be greater than his past. What's yours or my handicap? Is it physical? Spiritual? Is it an unhappy childhood? Is it a frustrating job? Perhaps a broken marriage? Whatever it may be, Jesus said in Mark 9, verse 23, everything is possible for the one who believes. To whom was Jesus saying this? This was in the light of, of a boy who was having convulsive fits and he was an outcast because people were frightened of him. Jesus healed the boy. Jesus came in and said, what's going on here? What's the commotion about? I will deal with this. And he did. So Jesus healed the boy, after which his father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Is this where some of us may be currently? We're comfortable. We've got, we've got a decent sized church. And, you know, we can all pray regularly for the church. And we're in a good place right now. But guess what? That can change very quickly. Because if the prayer life in a church dies, a lot of other things die. If the encouragement dies, a lot of other things die. If our interaction with people is wrong, then we can't really move forward. So let's sort out our relationships. Let's sort out what we're doing in the church. We really need to pray that God would help our unbelief. As William Carey said, expect great things from God and attempt attempt great things for God. So in conclusion, is more money a higher position or more influence your goal? Well, let me tell you, these are not goals. They are the byproduct of true goals. Seek not success, but truth, and you will find both. Work to become, not to acquire. We should measure wealth by the things we have, which we would not exchange for money. When we wake up each morning, how motivated are we? And here's a simple prayer that I read somewhere recently. When we wake each morning, here's a simple prayer to pray. Lord, above all else, help me to spend this day loving you and carrying out your will. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. There's another wee prayer that I picked up recently. I said, this is God speaking. I know where you're going today. I know what you're doing. So just leave it all to me and don't you worry. And it's all simple things that help us to be motivated in God's service. So in all of that that we've said tonight, I hope that we'll find faith to build our confidence as we work towards enlarging our personal collective territory in God's great plan and purpose for our lives and his glory. And just to close, the Jabez prayer. And Jabez called the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain, So God granted him what he requested. Thank you.